0: And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org.
1: We're in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It says for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That word suppress means to hold down, It's trying to keep under. There's some people who who are unrighteous and they suppress the truth of God's word in unrighteousness because verse 19 because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even as eternal power and godhead so that they are without Excuse. And two weeks ago, we looked at these verses, and we talked about how do you respond when you're sharing the gospel, when you're talking to someone about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you even share your personal testimony, and they say, well, that may be good for you, but I'm not a sinner, and I don't need a Savior. After all, I pay my taxes. How do you respond to that? And we talked about that two weeks ago, and I'm not going to revisit that, but if you're interested, you can pick up the CD Today, we're going to focus on verse 21 and talk about how you and I are changed by God's presence. Verse 21 says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You know, I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I I was born again. I was saved. Jesus became the Lord of my life through what is called historically the Jesus movement. Back in the Late 1960s and early 1970s, there was a wave of the Holy Ghost and this revival started in California and it swept its way across the United States coming here to the East Coast. And there were hundreds of thousands, if not millions of teenagers and college students and young adults who gave their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. They said yes to the cross. They said yes, I'm going to believe in the shed blood of Christ as the full payment for our sins. And on the heels of that revival, there came another revival, something that has gone down in history as called the charismatic renewal. And God began to pour out his Holy Spirit. You know, as Pentecostals, we were used to God pouring out his spirit in full gospel churches, but God just surprised all of us. And he began to pour out his spirit in the Baptist churches. People, began speaking in other tongues and moving in prophecy and spiritual gifts and Episcopalian and Presbyterian and Lutheran and Methodist and Catholic and and churches of every stripe and every variety. There were hundreds of thousands of people who suddenly experienced a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost and that resulted in hundreds of thousands of more people getting saved. It was an exciting time in this nation. Well, here we are. Many years removed from both of those revivals, and I read the other day that up to 70% of the people whose hearts were touched by the presence of God, up to 70% who experienced the glory of God are not in church in America today. Think about that. You say, how could that be? Let me share with you a principle. We're going to put this up here on the screen. It is possible to be touched by God's power, but not let your heart be changed by his presence. Let me try that again. It's possible to be touched, to experience the glory of God, to have ecstatic spiritual experiences, to move in spiritual gifts. It's possible to be touched by God's power, but for whatever reasons, it's also possible not to allow God to change you by his presence. Let me give you a couple of illustrations of this in the New Testament. Did you know, remember the night that they came and arrested Jesus? Jesus soldiers came, and the Bible says they came with lanterns and, ta- with, and torches and weapons, and John's Gospel says that, that, that when they came to the Garden of Gethsemane, all these soldiers, Jesus spoke of them, said, who are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And do you remember what Jesus said? He says, I am he. And when Jesus said, I am he, the Bible says that they drew back and they fell to the ground under the very glory of God. Sometimes we'll see people prayed for in our services and we'll see them resting on the floor it's because they're touched by the glory of God that's what happened to all these soldiers they experienced the glory of God but it didn't change their hearts because they went ahead and arrested Jesus anyway did you know there was one of them whose name was Malchus and Peter got very zealous for the Lord he had a sword he pulled out his sword and he tried to whack Malchus' head off but he just got his ear And the Bible says that Peter cut Malchus' ear off, and Jesus bent over and touched his ear. Now, this is in front of all the disciples, in front of all the soldiers. If you saw Jesus heal somebody's ear, if you saw it lying on the ground, and then you saw him lay his hands on them, and suddenly there's an ear there, and it's healed, do you think that might help you believe Apparently, they saw the very glory of God. John said in, in John chapter 1, we beheld his glory as that of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John chapter 2, Jesus turned water into wine. This is the beginning of Jesus showing his glory. Well, Jesus demonstrated his glory, but it did not change the heart of Malchus or the other soldiers because they arrested him anyway anyway. Well, Romans chapter 1, verse 21 describes people who at one time were touched by God, but they chose not to continue walking with God. In fact, they chose to get away from God. Look again at verse 21. It says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. I just want you to look at that verse. Look at it intently, if you will, because when somebody falls away from the Lord, the first thing that the apostle Paul says happened is that they ceased to glorify God as God. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. In other words, they quit magnifying Jesus as Lord. They ceased to value the work of the Holy Ghost. And then the second thing is that nor were Thankful. See, the, th- the second thing that happens when a person starts to fall away from God, number one, they quit glorifying God as God, and number two, they quit giving thanks to God. They quit having a thankful heart. You know, in the end of November, we celebrate Thanksgiving as a national holiday. And I know that students are taught we give thanks to the Indians, we give thanks to the pilgrims. We give thanks to Jesus. We give thanks to God. And Thanksgiving is not just a national holiday. It's supposed to be every day of every month of every week. We're to live our life. We're in everything. The Bible says we're to give thanks. But what happens when people stop giving thanks? Instead of having a heart of Thanksgiving, they get a heart of criticism. And it's not long when you start getting a heart of criticism, then you'll get a heart of condemnation. And folks, you're on dangerous ground because criticism and condemnation is the spirit of hell because Revelation 11 says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. If you want to backslide, if you want to fall away from God, then number one, stop giving glory to God. Number two, stop being thankful. And number three, it says, but then their futile hearts, This says, but they became futile in their thoughts. In other words, instead of renewing their minds and transforming their thinking with God's word, they became futile in their thoughts, there came the erection in their thoughts of strongholds. A stronghold is a thought that holds you strongly. A stronghold is a system of thought empowered by your emotions that's contrary to the will of God and contrary to the word of God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't do warfare according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Pulling down of strongholds. How do you do that? He says in verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How do you deal with a system of thought, a thought that comes to you and it's contrary to the will of God and the word of God and you find yourself meditating on that thought? What do you do? You've got to learn to cast it down. As a young Christian believer, I felt called to the ministry, but I was scared stiff of standing in front of people. Go figure. I said, God, call somebody else. There are a lot better speakers than I am. God, I, I break out into a sweat and my knees knock. Lord, I don't want to stand and preach in front of other people. I was scared spitless, and somebody shared with me 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Somebody shared with me 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, that says perfect love, cast out fear, because fear has torment somebody shared with me romans chapter 8 verse 15 which says god has not given us the spirit of bondage again to fear but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry abba father and i began to learn that i could start casting down that spirit of fear i could speak the word of god i could speak to that mountain of fear and trepidation and 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 it would start to go away but i also learned That there are some things that you just have to do afraid. If you're going to overcome a stronghold of fear in your life, you know, you speak the word of God, you renew your mind, you transform your thinking. But then also, then you may have to do it with your knees knocking. I'll never forget, I came home from Emmanuel College after my freshman year, and Pastor Wiley T. Davis here at Evangel invited me to speak on a Sunday night, and so I preached over in what is now our KidVenture area. That was the auditorium. I preached that night, and I told people everything I knew, plus a whole lot more. How many of you know that's dangerous? And I remember I was so afraid, my knees were knocking, and Brother Charles Bissell, just wave, Brother Charles, Brother Charles Bissell, I'll never forget, he came up to me, nobody else did, but Brother Charles Bissell came up to me, and he gave me a big hug, he said, Terrell, you did so good, and I said, did I? He said, yeah, God really used you, you bless my heart, and I'll tell you what, well, that was worth a million dollars to me it's that, Brother Charles, sometimes when I don't feel like I do so good preaching, I think back to your words 40-something years ago. Man, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. The fourth thing that says if you're going to fall away from God, not only do you stop glorifying God, not only are you not thankful to God, you become futile in your thoughts, but then it says their foolish hearts were darkened, and today I, I just want us to to look at this verse of scripture and just just kind of turn it around and, and and focus on how we are changed and transformed by the Holy Spirit. How we can be changed and transformed by God's presence. Look again at verse twenty one with me. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. If you want to be changed by the presence of Jesus, number one, make up your mind that you are going to live to glorify God. Come on, say this with me. I'm going to live to glorify God. Let's try it together. I'm going to live to glorify God. I'm going to live to glorify God. See that Greek word? This here translated glorify means to render or esteem glorious. It's another way of saying that you value, that you highly prize the things of God. And Satan will always try to get you to decrease, to devalue the things of God. He'll try to get you on sidetrack. In fact, Jesus said in Mark chapter 4 that there are three ways that the devil will always try to take the word of God out of your heart. It says in Mark 4, verses 18 and 19, Jesus said, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Look at that. Now the cares of this world World. That Greek word that's here translated care is M E R I N M A, marinamo. It, it means to have a divided mind, it, it means to be distracted by anxieties and burdens and worries. You know, one time I read that we're animal trainers, like lion trainers, go into a cage full of lions. When they walk into that cage, they will have a whip that they will crack. And they will usually have a gun and a holster, but not only will they have that, they will also have a stool with them. So here they are. They've got a whip that they're cracking, they've got a gun in their holster, and then they've got a stool. Now, why do they have that stool? It's because people have realized something about big cats like lions. They can't concentrate but on one thing at a time. And that lion hears the crack of that whip, and they perceive that that whip is an enemy. If they whip out that gun and fire a blank, they perceive that that gun is an enemy, and they also believe that not just the stool is an enemy, but that all four of these legs is an enemy and so the lion frankly stresses out the the lion tamer seems to bravely go in there and you know what i know it wouldn't take much of anything for that lion to jump on that person and it would be history for them but that lion tamer will keep that stool out. And that big cat is trying He's seeing this as a potential enemy, and this, and this. And so that cat is trying to watch all four legs, and he's trying to watch that whip, and he's trying to see what's going on with the gun, and he's watching the person. And that lion gets so exasperated and so frustrated that he just kind of gives up, and he acts tame, and he just kind of... Oh, I can't deal with all this. This is too much for me. Now listen to me. Jesus said that the cares of this life can cause your mind to get divided and to get distracted. And it will stress you out. So what do you do? What do you do? I had somebody call me the other day. They don't attend our church, and they're not even in this city. They called me the other day and said, Terrell, would you please pray with me? My parents are both now in their 90s, and they need me every single day. My wife is going through a depression. One of my children is going through a divorce. I'm having a horrible time at work, and I'm so afraid that the stock market's going to crash, and I can't focus on anything. Well, see, the devil loves to get you and me to the place that we're so stressed out that we can't focus, that we just kind of give up. What do you do? Well, number one, you find a trusted friend, a trusted Christian friend, then you just need to humble your heart and say, hey, would you pray for me? My mind is divided right now. I can't concentrate. Would you would you pray for me? Number two, let me suggest this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he said, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Paul wrote in Philippians 4, he says, be anxious for nothing. The reason Jesus said, do not worry, he says it won't add any stature to your height. It's not going to cause your net worth to be any more. Jesus knew that worry is a subconscious attempt on my part and your part to control our lives. See, when you're worried about something, you can even be worried you won't get a good night's rest because your subconscious mind is trying to find an answer for that problem or those problems that you're facing. Now, here's the reality. It's hard for you to be in control of the world and for God to be in control, too. You know, let's don't be like the lady who came up to me one time at church years ago. And this lady says, Pastor, I've got about five major problems in my life. And I can carry, I can handle about three of them. Would you pray that God would help me with the other two? Why in the world do you want to just have him take care of two? Let him have all five. See, sometimes it's our pride. Our pride thinks, oh, I can handle this. Our pride says, hey, I, can, I know what to do. I've been around the block. I can do it. Do away with your pride. Jesus said, do not worry. Here's, here's a third thing to consider. First Peter 5, verse 6 says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season, casting all of your care upon the Lord because he cares for you casting all your care upon the Lord because he cares for you why is it important to cast our care upon the Lord because we're not made to carry him what does that mean that literally means to cast it it means get rid of it Good, Lacey. It means to cast it. Now, here's what happens. Here's what happens. You can cast your cares upon the Lord, but we have a tendency to want to... Yeah, what we do is we, we take our burdens to the Lord in prayer, and all we do is give them a swimming lesson. Then we take them back with us, but we've got to... Sorry about that, Lacey. We've got to cast it on the Lord... That's what you, you got to, if it hits you in the back, that's okay, but you got to walk away from it. Glory to God. Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. Let me share with you a final thing you can do. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. I will keep him in perfect peace perfect peace See, your mind is like a set of binoculars. Whatever you focus on is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the more you think about something, the larger it's going to get. And I've learned that if I will, if I will bless the Lord, if I will glorify the Lord, if I will give honor to Jesus, if, 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 if in the midst of everything going wrong, if I can just pull apart and say, Jesus, I give you glory, I give you honor, I magnify you, and if I'll take time and go get in his word and take some more time and get in prayer I want you to know Jesus becomes so much bigger than the heartaches he becomes so much bigger than the problems and the frustrations see see magnifying God takes me to a place where I don't fall apart with every problem one time I was in South America and I bought a llama skin isn't that what you've always wanted a llama skin. I don't know why I bought it. I don't know. I, I was just brain dead that day. I think. I, anyway, I, I just. I thought it would look great on the <laughs> on the conference room wall at the church. I just. I just really thought it would look great. So I buy, buy this llama skin. I roll it up and I buy the cheapest suitcase I can find to put it in. That suitcase was. Glued together. I want you to know, by the time I reached Miami and had to get my bags and recheck them through customs, that suitcase was falling apart. Not only that, but something smelled bad. And I realized that llama skin had an odor to it. It was terrible. By the time I got it home That suitcase had completely fallen apart. And that llama skin was stinking to high heavens. And Kathy said, Terrell, you are not bringing that in my house. (laughs) I took it out on the back deck. I thought it just needs to air out. Boy, it didn't help it. It made the outside smell bad. (laughs) I went and bought some talcum powder. Some baby powder. I poured three or four cans of that all over that llama skin and I took a dog brush you know that you on those wire dog brushes and I brushed that hair on that llama skin it still smelled bad I had to throw that thing away <laughs> that cheap suitcase I bought it just fell apart folks when you learn to magnify Jesus when you learn to magnify God, it doesn't mean that you're you're ignoring a problem. It doesn't mean that you're, this is not mind over matter. I'm not saying you're, you're not saying that problem doesn't exist. But you say there may be a problem here, and there may be a problem over there, and there may be things over here and over there I don't have answers for. But Jesus, I'm going to give you glory. And if you'll learn to do that, it'll keep you from falling apart like a cheap suitcase. Say, somebody say hallelujah. Well, here's the second point. If you want to be changed by God's presence, if you want to practice His presence, then be thankful to God and cultivate a thankful attitude. Romans 1 verse 21 says, "Although although they knew God, they did not glorify Him God, nor were thankful. If you ever find yourself Not being thankful to God. That should be an amber light that goes off saying, hey, something's wrong. You need an attitude adjustment. See, David has gone down in history as a man after God's own heart. He was not a perfect man. How many of you know he sinned pretty big? That's not what made him a man after God's own heart. What made David a man after God's own heart is that he gave God glory and he continued to to give him thanks through the thick and through the thin when things were good and when things were bad. He says in Psalm 69 verse 30, I want you to read this aloud with me. Come on, use your best voices, everybody together. He says, I will praise the name of God with a song, and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Say it again. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Glory to God. When I first enrolled at Emmanuel College, I was so homesick. Oh, man, I miss Tallahassee so bad. After several weeks of being in North Georgia, I called my mom and dad and said, Mom and dad, I'm so homesick, I'm coming home. And mama said, come on, son, your bedroom's waiting. And my dad said, son, don't you dare. Don't you dare come back home. Sometimes you love mama more than you love daddy at those kind of times. (laughs) Several weeks went by. It was a Friday night, and the weekends were the hardest because I wasn't in class and I wasn't busy with stuff. And a Friday night came, and a friend asked me to go to a to a Jesus concert. And uh, there was a group called the Hope of Glory who was playing. And to be honest with you, they weren't very good. They were kind of out of tune, but they had good hearts. At the close of that concert, all I can think about was how homesick I was. At the close of that concert, they begin to sing a cappella without any instrumentation. They just begin to sing, Hallelujah! 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 hallelujah. 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 And it took me a little while, but I forgot about my situation. I forgot about being homesick. I was standing to my feet, my hands up, and for the next 30 minutes I was just loving on Jesus forgot about the people on my left and right in front of me and behind me. And it was just me and the Lord. I was just loving on Jesus. And you know what? (laughs) When I left that place that night, I wasn't homesick anymore. Nothing had changed except my perspective. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, we read about God thundering from heaven and helping Israel to win a battle and Samuel rolls this big old rock up and he calls it Ebenezer. He says, herewith has the Lord helped us. And everybody that walked by that big old stone, they saw that stone and they said, that's Ebenezer. That's to remind us of the time that God helped us, that God made a difference in our lives. And I want you to Read with me, First Samuel chapter seven, verse ten. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzvah and Shin, and called its name Ebenezer, saying, "Thus far the Lord has helped us." Can you say that? Thus far the Lord has helped us. Every time people passed by that stone, they said, "Thus far has the Lord helped us." When Kathy and I moved into eleven ninety Furlong Drive in Libertyville, Illinois. We had a stone on the side of our yard. Remember that stone? It was You don't find a lot of stones in Illinois. I mean, it's a prairie state. It's pretty flat, but we had this stone that was on the side of the yard, and I asked some people about it, and they said, well, it was here when the neighborhood was first constructed, and the the builders just decided to leave it there, and it was about four and a half feet long, and it was about three and a half feet wide, and it was about two foot high, and our kids used to love to play on it and mess around with it, and at night, I used to Go outside and pray, and I started naming it my first Thessalonians five twenty four stone. Because first Thessalonians five twenty four says, Faithful is he that has called you, who will also bring it to pass, because we couldn't afford that house we were living in. It didn't seem to be any way. In fact we couldn't afford a lot of the houses that we wanted to buy, and yet we kept feeling in our heart that we were to have this house, and we had gone and looked at it one more time. And the, and, 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 and the price had not come down and we were still about 60, $70,000 apart from what the, the, the sellers wanted. And I said, well, Kathy, I guess we just missed God. I really thought that was supposed to be our house. And that night the realtor called and said, these people are desperate to sell it. Would you please make an offer? I said, just any offer? She says, just make an offer. I'd go out at night and I'd stand on my first Thessalonians 5 verse 24 stone. Faithful is he that has called us who will also bring it to pass. I hope you've got some stones of remembrance in your life. How many of you remember when you were without groceries and and God brought the groceries that you needed? Come on. How many of you remember when you didn't have enough money to pay your bills and yet God miraculously came through and he helped you? How many of you remember when you were sick and you were suffering and you didn't think there's any way you're going to make it and God healed you? God showed up a time and time and time again and again and again and again and here's the problem today, even though God has met our needs, even though God has proven himself again and again and again, we can have 99 things out of 100 going right, but if we've got one thing our carnal nature is sometimes to focus on that one thing that's not going right. I hate that about myself. I've asked the Lord to deliver me from thinking about the one thing that's not going right and help me to focus on the 99 things that are. I hope you've got some stones of remembrance in your life. I hope you've written down and says yes, I was sick and God healed me. I hope you've got it written down for your children and your grandchildren to see. I hope you're telling them this is a time that God came through for me. One day Kathy and I just sat down and we just began to write down all the miracles and all the times that God blessed us, and we ran out of paper. We just kept writing it down and writing it down and writing it down because we needed to recount the goodness of God in our life. Hallelujah. Amen. David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name and forget not all of his benefits. Why did he say forget not? Because we tend to forget. Let me close. With a story from the Bible, and then a story from our life. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas go to Macedonia. They go to Philippi in the will of God to preach the gospel. They end up arrested. They end up beaten. Their legs in the stocks. Now, there's some people that teach that if you're in the will of God, you'll never have any Problems. If you're in the will of God, you'll never face any difficulties. But Jesus said, in this world, you're going to face tribulation. But he said, be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. Paul and Silas were in the will of God, but they were suffering. And the Bible says at midnight, they began to sing praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, God sent an earthquake, delivered them from their bondage. No one escaped. They preached to the Philippian jailer and his household. They're saved. But they weren't worshiping and praising God for an earthquake. Ooh, let me try it over here. They weren't praising God, looking for an earthquake. They were praising God because they were in love with Jesus. They were more impressed They were more impressed with the Lord than they were their problems. So many times, yeah, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to get out of this problem. Yes, I'm going to give him thanks. Folks, that's not the right attitude. You just make up your mind. I'm going to give him thanks regardless of what happens because he's God and I'm not. When I was working at CBN and Regent University, one morning... One morning, Monday morning, I came into the office and our director of student activities, her name was Terry Peters. Terry met me at the door and she was crying. And so I asked her, Terry, what's wrong? And she says, I've just learned that Paul and Cindy Barnhart, Paul was a student at the university at Regent, they lost their son over the weekend. In fact, it was just happened a couple of hours ago, a four-year-old. And I did a little research. I didn't know Paul and Cindy, but I did a little research and found out that Paul was a graduate student in the School of Communication. He was studying broadcast station management. Their family had moved to Virginia Beach from Arkansas. And I got on the phone and I called them and asked if I could come see them. And I drove about a mile down to the university housing I went into their tiny apartment, and I sat there, and through tear-stained eyes, they shared with me the story. They said, you know, little Aaron was four years old. On Thursday, he complained of not feeling good, and I, Cindy said, I thought he had a cold. I took him to the doctor on Friday. The doctor prescribed some antihistamines for him. On Saturday, he was no better. On Sunday, he even seemed worse. And Sunday night, we put him to sleep, and, or put him to bed, and we noticed he was having trouble breathing. And so we began checking on him. Every five minutes, we went in there, and then we saw that his face was turning blue, and we rushed him to the emergency room. And little Aaron Barnhart passed away at 4 a.m. that morning. They said he passed away from bacterial meningitis. None of us saw it coming. What do you say in that situation? What do you do? I'll tell you what I've learned. I've learned that you don't have to say anything. There aren't any words that are going to heal the hearts. There aren't any words that are going to make it better. Sometimes you just have to be with people. Sometimes it's the ministry of withness, just being with them at that time and not saying anything. It's just sitting and crying with them and just spending time with them. I didn't know what to say. Paul and Cindy looked at me. They says, we want you to know that we serve a good God. And we don't know why our little baby's in heaven today. And this was really striking home to me because I had a four-year-old at home. Kristen was four in those days. They said, we don't know why our baby's now in heaven. But here's what we know. We know that God is good and he's good all the time. And we know that faithful is he that has called us who will also bring it to pass. And we know there's a bad devil out there and we don't know. And our hearts are aching and our hearts are breaking. But we give God praise and we give him glory. Tell you, I drove away from their house encouraged by them. The next day I found myself because they didn't have the money to to care for the funeral they had spent all they could to get to graduate school we the university we i helped them pick out a casket and we arranged for the shipping of the body to arkansas and by the end of the week i found myself holding a a a memorial service for little aaron and paul and cindy remained steady the whole time jesus we give you glory you're a good god You're going to somehow turn this thing around and make it work together for our good. We thank you that we're going to see our baby again. We thank you that Aaron had a relationship with you. Kathy and I then moved to Illinois and we planted a church. But somebody told me that instead of going into broadcast station management, Paul decided he wanted to be a children's pastor. He wanted to bring other little boys and girls to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and help them to, to learn about healing and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what they did. Several years went by after we planted our church. And when it was time for me to hire my very first children's pastor, we hired Paul and Cindy Barnhart. And they served with us for about six years and did a fantastic job. And I never once saw them blame God I'm sure they had questions. I never once saw them getting angry at God. They said, God, there's a lot of things we don't understand, and we may not understand it till we get to heaven. But God, we know you're a good God, and we know that you're going to make everything work together for our good. And if there's anything I can tell you about Paul and Cindy, it's that I saw them consistently magnifying Jesus magnifying the Lord over the numbness and over the heartache and over the problems and over the trials. In this world, you're going to suffer tribulation, Jesus said, but he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You want to see the Holy Ghost and the anointing increase in your life? Don't ever fail to magnify the Lord in your thinking, in your talking, in your interactions with others, in your planning, in your meditations, and don't stop giving God thanks. You might not understand everything you're going through. In fact, I know in a, in a, in a group this size or some of you that you are literally walking through the valley of the shadow of death right now. You're walking through stuff that's just making your heart ache. It's just, it's just, it's just terrible. Jesus never said we wouldn't have to walk through those. He says, but I'll be with you. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And I I just admonish you, keep giving God thanks. Keep your focus. Keep magnifying the Lord. Keep your binoculars on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll see the anointing increasing and the glory of God increasing.
0: We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.